0: welcome back to a fantastic week of the sports me soccer podcast i am one of your hosts akilo it's phenomenal to be back it is great to be back actually it's been a phenomenal start to the season um i know for our team it's been phenomenal i'm not sure what it has been for your team but you know the Premier League's back it's been a phenomenal round we have our post as usual uh, the Pele of our generation, Victor, in the Liverpool jersey. And for some reason, I'm trying to work out why Catherine is wearing a Wallabies jersey, which, you know, we love, you know, ex-English uh, people who like to wear Australian sporting gear. It's, it's always a uh, fun banter. And of course, Sam, our moderator in the background, doing all the tech work. And as we mentioned, this podcast is sponsored by Sportsme, a phenomenal app, which if you have yet to join, we would love you to come on board. We also have a very special guest that has joined us all the way from Sydney, Australia. He is one of the admins of Edmonton's, um Edmonton, Sydney, sorry, Edmonton, Australia Facebook page, which, you know, has a lot of good bands and a lot of fun. I've got to know him over the couple of years. Lee Hayes. Lee, thank you so much for joining our podcast. We are so happy that you could uh, give up your time to, Kind of uh, give us a little insight into your history and reasonings of why you're an Evertonian. We, we would love to hear, like, wha- how did your history of supporting Everton really begin? And um, just, yeah, let us dive right in.
1: Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Akiva. Um, uh, and uh, thank, thanks for inviting me along today. It's, um, it's a pleasure to be here and meet, uh, meet such an interesting panel that you've got there, mate. Um, so, um, yeah, my Everton history is, is quite long. I've been supporting the team for, um, the better part of 40 years. Um, we, um, I went to Goodison back in 1974, um, uh, with my dad. Um, and it was, um, all I remember is, uh, is lots of legs and lots of shouting. And, um, you know, he had me on my shot, had him, had me on his shoulders for a while. And, um, Bob Latchford was my, uh, my, uh, go-to hero back then and, um, had some posters in my room of Everton and so forth and the scarves and the whole lot. Um, unfortunately, we moved, well, not unfortunately, but um, to see Everton games, we moved to Australia when I was eight. Um, but I carried on supporting the team as much as I could through uh, match of the day on ABC back then. Um, and it just evolved. Um, I've, I've always supported the team and um, kept in touch with uh, what was going on in the papers and the sports pages and Um, You know, football magazines and so forth And these are all the days before the internet And, um, you know, uh, Facebook and so forth But uh, probably about 15 years ago I reached out to um, uh, I found an Everton Supporters Club That was being managed by a fellow by the name of Stephen In Campbelltown, Sydney And um, uh, we met up for drinks And there was a whole gang of us There was um, John Kelly Who's uh, who's actually the um, uh, president or or director of... um, Everton Supporters Club Australia, so um, ESCA. That's um, been uh, it was formed well probably about twelve to fifteen years ago, and um, uh, Richard Farger and a few other guys. and We all kind of kept in touch over emails and just had drinks every now and then and watched some games together. And um, and then it just evolved and we started the page and um, now we've got over two thousand members.
0: Yeah, it's truly phenomenal to see that, you know, there are so many Everton fans in Australia. And I think, you know, mainly due to probably the influence of Tim Cahill joining on, um, I think that really definitely helped the boost in Australia. But what was it like supporting Everton, you know, before the Cahill Express came on and, and jumped on board? Because everyone must have looked at you and been like, why on earth are you supporting a team that, you know, truly, you know, obviously they always used to battle for the top four and used to be, like, you know, that club back in the day. But, like, you know, generally in Australia, it's United, it's Chelsea. It's it's generally not the, you know, team that you would normally support.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right, mate. I mean, uh, right through school, I copped a lot of stick. Uh, most of my mates were um, uh, Liverpool supporters or United supporters. And there was a couple of guys that supported Arsenal. Um, so, um you know, I was always kind of the uh, uh, the kicking boy, you know, like uh, let's pay him out again, you know, Everton lost. Um, but then we slowly started to get um, our act together in uh, in the early 80s. Um, as you know, we won a couple of um, titles back then and uh, an FA Cup. But um, uh, yeah, like I'd already left school by then, so I didn't get my chance for redemption. <laughs> but um, I've got a couple of mates that... Um, uh, support Liverpool and, uh, you know, the banter's always good, you know, I mean, I respect them for what they've done and, um, you know, I think uh, they've usually got a little bit of respect for, for us trying to to catch up to them, but um, it's all about supporting the team, you know, you keep your loyalties um, and, uh, you know, you, you fall in love with the club, uh, there's, there's nothing about it, it's 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 deep set, it's not just about, um, you know, supporting a team, there's, there's a lot more to it, there's a lot of passion that goes with it. Um, you know, and you take it with a, with a grain of salt. Someone gives you a bit of stick, you know, next week you win and you give them a bit of stick. So it's,
2: um, it goes back and forth. Yeah, uh, I have a quick question, actually. First of all, very nice to meet you. I'm really glad to have you on the podcast. Um, I was wondering, since you mentioned that you moved to Australia at such a young age, have you been back to Merseyside? And how, many, how frequently do you get to go? Um, yeah, look, I've been back. Um, thanks, Victor. I've been back uh,
1: about four times. Um, uh, every couple of years, I go back, and uh, and I've been to Goodison. Um, oh, geez, um, better part maybe ten or twelve times. I've done a Goodison tour. Um, We've uh, one of my best memories of Goodison was um, uh, I went back at uh, the start of the '88 season, and as you know, um, being a Liverpool supporter, we. Um, we we won the title in ninety in 87 and um uh, to the post so um my first game at goodison was um uh, that year was just parading the uh, the championship trophy and um uh, the um uh, charity shield at the time so yeah look i've been back every time i go back to see the family um i always make a visit to goodison and catch a game or two um it's uh, yeah it's always a bit of fun
0: we, uh, we, we we dare to dream those days will uh, happen once more, but uh, that looks like a, fa- a, f- a farewell away. But, you know, if Leicester uh, can win the league, so can we.
1: Sorry, so, was that a question?
0: No, no, no I was going to say, I'll just say it in a common way. I think, you know, the fact that, you know, we can... If Leicester can win the league, we can definitely win the league. And I think, you know, it's, it's something which I think Ancelotti is really building on this season, which, you know, um, I think you could agree with me that this is probably one of the first seasons that we, like, really felt that we have a world-class manager, we have world-class players that are just, you know, in the team. And, you know, anything can really happen. And I think that's the beauty of football.
1: Yes. Look, it's exciting times for Everton at the moment. I mean, it's, you know, we've been calling it for a while. I won't get ahead of myself and say we're going to win the league or anything like that. But, um, you know, like we'll, we'll definitely be better than we were last season. Um, you know, we've got, a, we've got a great manager on board. Um, we've got good backroom staff. We're building a new stadium. Um, you know, we've got some attractive players um, and they're going to attract more players as well. You know, we're playing some sexy football um, you know, we're we're scoring a lot of goals and, and our um our second string team you now can score five goals as well. I mean that's that's always a good sign.
2: Yeah. I, I don't see any reason why you guys can't go on the cup run. I think the week would be absolutely ridiculous and would be up there with the Leicester story, but a cup run you never know. Especially when you have a good starting eleven on any given day, you guys could be anyone in England at this point with the team you have and the manager you have. There's no reason
1: yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, but it, it always comes back to, um, you know, what value the, um, uh, the manager puts on the, on, the, uh, on the cup run. You know, I, I've always hated the way Everton always, you know, puts uh, a, a lower team, um, you know, our reserves up against um, uh, other, other, other teams and, we'd, you know, we'd stumble and that's why we haven't had good cup runs in the past and I think um, giving the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup uh, a little bit more credit um, is,
2: is due. Yeah. I mean, today's lineup showed that is taking it a bit more seriously than you guys might have in the past. Cause I saw mm. I kinda just glanced over it real quick. I saw where Charlison was starting, like uh Sigurdson, Bernard. So it's not a terrible lineup, even though you guys are playing a third, fourth division side, if I'm not mistaken. So. <coughs> so. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I mean, but that's that's our bench at the moment, which is which
1: is what I said before, which is actually quite good. Um, you know, having players like Bernard and Siggy and Iwobi on, on the bench isn't isn't a bad thing, um, you know, as long as they're on a good day as well.
3: The thing is, though, with the cup run in the league, you've got to think about squad depth, which I think is why Everton have never really gone for it, because they're trying to not get also relegated in the league, which is why a lot of teams do the lower ones. But I think, you know, Akiva is very set on this Leicester winning the league, so Everton will win the league. But I think Everton will do well. I really think they will. But um, I think you've made a lot of good signings, but you you still, well, once, you know, the games start get going and you have multiple cups plus a league, I think your squad depth, it's good, but it, it needs to get a lot better before a Leicester scenario could probably play out. But no, my, my question for you was, um, you've been an Everton supporter for a while. You know, they've had a few good runs. So I was wondering if you had any, like, you know, good memories or favourite goals or favourite players, kind of you know, that you, you really love about Everton?
1: Jeez, um, yeah, yeah, I've got a, a, a long list. Um, uh, I mean, as as I said at the beginning, um, one of my favourite memories was um, turning up to the, the first game of the season at Goodison. Um, we played Sheffield Wednesday um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the score was about 4-1. Um, and that was back in the day of, uh, you know, Graham Sharp and Adrian Heath and, you know, Trevor Stevens, Peter Reed. Um, Kevin Ratcliffe. I'm um, watching those guys play was just. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. I mean, it was just absolutely fantastic, you know. And it's. Um, uh, and then um, watching watching us win the um, the Cup Winners' Cup. Um, that was uh, back in '85. Um, I was in London at the time, uh, visiting my dad, and um, we watched it in a pub. And um, the place would just went ballistic. Um, and that was uh, yeah. That was that was a really good time. There was, there was one time uh, I went to see um, Everton play at Goodison and we, we, were, we were playing against United um, and we beat them 1-0. Um, but um, Jasper Olsen, um, I, th- I think that was his name, he, he, he did a volley and it hit the post. Um, but we went to the Winslow afterwards, which is a pub just across the road, and the place was absolutely packed. Um, and there was people throwing beer in the air and, and, and all sorts. It was just um, some crazy, crazy times.
3: Well, that's, that's what you get when you go to the I was going to say, you probably don't get that same vibe in Australia because it's not the same. So it's, it must be great when you come back. And the pub scene is almost just as good as being in the stadium. As in, personally, I feel like if you get the one that's just outside and it's the real supporters pub, you know, you can. it's a great time. Almost always a great time.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Some, somehow I got pushed into the middle because um, everybody knew I had uh, an Aussie accent. So they were like, get in there, get in there. And, um, and I was right in the middle and it just got squashed. I came out and I just, I was covered in whatever. I don't know what it was. It smelled like beer, but it could have been anything. So, it's. Um.
0: <laughs> and I think, believe, uh, I believe also, Lee, um, you even have some football royalty in your family. Um, would you like to touch on a little bit about that? You may, uh, you may, you may even know some of the players that uh, you are potentially related to.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, look, I mean, we've got some um, uh, football runs pretty deep in my family. Um, on uh, on my father's side, <coughs> one of my cousins, um, Caitlin Hayes, she plays for Celtic. She actually did play for Everton for a while, um, Everton ladies, and uh, she plays for Celtic, but she's also um, done some world tours as well and played internationally. Um, she just recently signed for Celtic, as I said. Um, and on my mother's side, I've got a... Um, uh, a cousin that also plays for England um he plays in the futsal team um Jordan Edge and uh he's um <coughs> he's constantly traveling overseas playing futsal and the last time I was there we went and watched him he was playing for um uh, Manchester City futsal side I wasn't too impressed with that but um, um he said they had the better team and um <coughs> they uh, they poached him as uh, as, is with another team before that i can't remember but um uh, they played against uh england seniors and and there was a few england players there i can 't remember their names, but um, um, it was a good game, and they won as well so um and Jordan scored a goal so um yeah it runs pretty deep in the family oh,
3: good good to hear you've got a, a women's women 's football player running
1: uh, <laughs> you know. oh yeah yeah you want to look her up Ka- caitlin Hay- um Caitlin hayes she's um she 's pretty good yeah yeah she 's um well known in the in in the football terms.
0: So yeah, it's, it's, it's phenomenal to see that, you know, the women's game is really growing and, and going strong. And we, I guess just to wrap up, uh, just we'll have a couple more questions. Just uh, firstly, I noticed a jersey you're wearing, it's, a, it's an Everton classic. I wanted to know why you chose the uh, classic chain. I do miss seeing Chang on our on our jerseys because those do uh, go back to the glory days um, before Nike took over and destroyed our, our, our uh, history. Um, you know, even though they were only there for a couple of years But I feel like, one, I, I, I don't know what it was I just feel like once Nike came, it just, our history just went down I don't know why, but like, even though they were there for a year I, I guess I want to know what's uh, the history behind the jersey you're wearing
1: um, The history behind the jersey I was wearing? Um, not much, actually It was just, um, uh, as I said before, you know The Everton supporters group in Sydney used to get together um, And one of our um, favourite venues was Cheers Bar in, uh, in Sydney and in George Street um, and um, catching up with a lot of the guys, they all had the shirts, and um, I was wearing uh, my old um, Everton um, NEC shirt back from the uh, the, the late eighties, nineties um, when we had NEC as the sponsor. So um, I thought uh, oh, I better get um, uh, better get the latest shirt. Um, but also, I've got my um, my son. My son supports Everton, and so does my dad. Um, but uh, I got my son the same one. <clears throat> and when we when Cahill came out to um, to play for Everton in, uh, in Sydney. Um, we had to get-together with him, and um, we got the shirt signed. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty close to me.
0: That's, that's truly phenomenal, and something that, uh, you know, Emertonian em- wishes they have on their mantelpiece. Um, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. We know it's very early there in Sydney. We just wanted to know, um, when you go on the Sportsman tonight and obviously encourage everyone to battle... What's your question that you're going to be posting and give people time to think about that, you know, all Evertonians on the Australia page should really be speaking about?
1: Um, my question is, um, after so many years of um, false dawns for Everton, um, do we think um, we've actually got the recipe right for success this time around with everything that's happening with the club?
0: Uh, that's a phenomenal question. I think Catherine has one more last question well
3: just wants to add okay. in. following on from that actually that's going to be your battle that that's going to be because i was going to ask you you know akiva's pretty set they could win the league you seem slightly more reasonable where where do you oh, think a lot is... more reasonable where do you see everton finishing you know
1: um i'd say top seven yeah yeah look look and and probably towards the, the bottom half of that um I, I, I dare say that we'll get into Europa, um, and if and if we don't, you know, like that, that'll be a disappointing season because, um, yeah. you know, I think uh, with Ancelotti and the players that we've got, we've definitely got the calibre to um, to push up, especially from twelfth. I mean, that you know, the club's not not um, it's not a true reflection of um, the direction and the players that we've got sitting in twelfth. Um, so, um, well, currently we're we're first, I think, or second. So, I wouldn't mind staying in that spot, but um, <laughs> yeah, I've got to be realistic about it. Yeah.
0: Well, Lee, yeah, as, as, as I always say uh, with our emblem and our slogan, Neil Satisnius the optimum, nothing but the best is good enough. So, with my high hopes, that's the, uh, the big reason of my uh, dreams every season, even though they get shattered probably after like six games. But for some reason this year, it seems to be. Keeping up, Lee, thank you so much for joining us uh, this, well, this evening and this morning. To all Edmonton Australia fans, uh, get on sport on 3 we We're going to really have some awesome battles throughout the week. Coming up next, we'll be speaking about the awesome week of the EPO, including Edmonton's phenomenal victory and others. Uh, we look forward to doing that after the break.
1: Great to meet you all. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Great to meet you. And welcome back. What an uh, incredible interview we had with Lee Hayes, uh, one of the family members of Everton Australia. We do thank him for his time. Gentlemen and ladies, this has been a fantastic week of football. I don't know about you, but I have really enjoyed the last couple of weeks. There's been so many goals, like this week especially. It was a lot of goals, a lot of good goals as well, not just from, you know, the team that I support, but other teams I was watching the highlights and, and a lot of the games. It's very exciting. Football
2: at the moment. Yeah. 100%. 100%. This weekend was actually the the round with the most goals ever scored in Premier League history. I don't know if you guys knew that, but it was oh, – wow.
0: No, I didn't know that. That's, that doesn't what even – There were so you know, many scoring games. Yeah, do you know what the um, previous record was? Like, when the last time that was, like, the grand? I'm going to get you that exact
2: number. I'm pretty sure it's 44. Oh, yeah, wow. it used to be 43 in a single game week, and it was 44. It was broken with Gabriel Jesus scoring the 95th minute for Man City, uh-huh. just to break it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow.
0: No, so, like, the way I saw it this week, um, like, you know, uh, I'm just going to speak from the game that I was watching uh, with Everton playing, um, you know, they really gave a run for the money because I really thought like, and, and, and credit to them, they they literally were going to, um, I think personally, they could have easily won the game had it not been for the red card situation. Um, they were playing really well the first half. Um, Edmonton were very sloppy. They did well to recover. I think Westbrook, I think both their goals were phenomenal. I don't know if any of you saw it, but like he ran for, I think it was, the younger, I, I can't really pronounce his name. He ran from, you know, the whole field basically, and scored an absolute crack of goal. But you know, that's how football works. There's, there's, you know, there's there's red cards, and then you know, a, a whole game can just collapse like that.
3: Well, I think though you have to look at that red card. He, it's an experienced player because it was Gibbs, right? And it's just completely uncalled for. Experienced player, I thought that, yeah. And it's the same with the Chelsea game. The red, red cards really kill a game, and I think, you know, in both scenarios, I think they really could have been avoided, um, and I think it was stupid for both. But I was going to say the same. I was like, Everton are sorted out going forward, but I thought defensively, they yeah they need a they need a they're not the same. You know, their their
0: attack is definitely better than their defense for sure. And Captain, as a, I guess I could say. Professional footballer, which or semi-professional footballer, we should say. Um, do you think, in your uh, opinion, like were those red cards? Were they actually red cards? Because some, because you saw West Brom's manager really upset at half time. Obviously, the obviously the passion to him in the game. He got a red card himself. Which yeah. um, you know, we can try maybe find statistics on when the last manager was to get a red card in a match before. Because I've never really seen that before.
3: They usually get sent. Such- Hands, which is the same. That usually one once or twice a season. But um, with those red cards, I'd say Gibbs is one. Yeah, so Gibbs one is a red card. You know, he wasn't even in the tackle. He shoved the guy. It was completely uncalled for. That's a red card. Um, I think the manager one actually wasn't a red card. He didn't swear. Um, you know, he 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 has a right, in my opinion, to talk to the ref to discuss the decision. And all that. Um, the reason why it looks more aggressive than it is is because because of COVID, he had to come onto the field to talk to him because the um, the refs were walking out the other way. So I think the manager one was harsh. Christensen decided to take up rugby and rugby tackled Mane So I think that that was pretty justified. I think um, in my mind, I would have it's better in that scenario. It was better to almost let it run out, you know, almost go one nil down but still have eleven players then. To go Templers down, so I'm not I'm not too sure what he was thinking there, but we have Silver now. He played today, so I think he won't be back on the field too much. There was another red card though. Um, Crystal Palace, I think it was a Crystal Palace game. I can't remember who it was, but I thought that wasn't a red card. This guy, he he, the ball was in the air. He put his foot up, kind of to control it behind his uh, back. If someone can, like, I need to find the name.
2: It's a Brighton game. That's what
0: you're talking about. It was about. a Brighton game. Yeah, yeah, it was a Brighton, and, Brighton and Newcastle. It, so yeah, it, and was it was total it was but, it was it was bad.
2: but it was bad.
3: No, that's the thing. I think it was really bad and you know, I've been kicked in the face. It sucks. <laughs> it really hurts. But um, I think that the three-match ban that he's now got to go through is very harsh considering that it wasn't malicious. He was just going for the ball and he wasn't even facing a player. So I think... Um, you know, yeah, I. I've, it's a dangerous play, but I just feel like a three-match ban for that action is really harsh.
0: And I just want to let you guys know, as a cool statistic for this week, there were actually four red cards uh, throughout all the games this week, which is pretty high for a for you know a second round league. Victor, I want to I want to you know touch on the Liverpool's performance. I know that Chelsea went down to a um, to, to to you know ten men. But I want you to, I guess, touch on how, how did you think they played, um, even, you know, playing against Ted? Do you think the performance did justice, or do you think they should have done better? Um,
2: I think we played quite well. The first half, up until the Red, it it might as well have been two different games. Before the Red, it was a really even game. that was just two good sides. It was just a really, like, tactical battle, I think would be the right word to describe it. We would keep possession for five to ten minutes, and Chelsea would keep possession for five to ten minutes, we'd have a half a chance, they'd have half a chance. It was just like that, back and forth. Until Jordan Henderson, the best midfielder in the Premier League, J- just kidding, um, played an amazing pass to Mane. It was a beautiful ball. And Christensen, again, decided to play rugby. It's a tough one because I think if he doesn't tackle him, Mane is getting there and getting around Keppa, and then Keppa gets a red. Chelsea fans would probably be happier with that, yeah. but um, <laughs> but it's it's a tough one. I think it was just such a good pass, such a good run. Monty's is just so quick. He was just put in the worst position. But after that, the game was completely different. Uh, Thiago came on at halftime and was just amazing. Literally broke a record for most passes in the half
0: um, in yeah.
2: forty-five minutes in his
0: debut. Yeah, do you think he's now a better signing than James? Because James has just been an absolute godsend from, you know. <laughs> if, 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 if I don't get what it is. He just makes it look easy. Like, he was, I want not say struggling at Madrid. He's a phenomenal player. He was playing, but I don't know. It felt like he just, like, doesn't train throughout the week. And he just, like, rocks up to the stadium. Like, the way it seems like, he just rocks up to the stadium 10 minutes before the game, puts on his boots and just completely out of the field. But I want you to know like, what do you think of, what did you make of Thiago's, like first um, 45 minutes? In a yeah, no, the I, I,
2: I will give a big shout out to James because he has been amazing. He is just one of those players that are just so naturally talented and gifted that doesn't look like they're even trying. And no offense to Everton, but he is a bit above their level. So I think like compared to the other players 100%. around him, he just looks that good. It's just one of those things. 100%.
0: The thing is um, though, it's a
3: bit soon to compare the two. Tiago had 45 Oh yeah, 100%. Minutes, but he played also against Chelsea in those 45 minutes. And yeah, we were played down, but he, he dominated and was brilliant on the ball, which actually makes me, I had a question for you. What do you think now? Do you think Henderson will now play a lot less because Tiago's there?
2: No. Uh, to, uh, just to answer Akibo's question real quick, Hamas is signing the season so far, but again, way too early. Yeah. Transfer window is not even done, and as Catherine said, he Tiago played 45 minutes, um, an amazing 45 minutes. But I'm not gonna like start comparing the two. Mm. Um, yeah. I think our best midfield now is Fabinho as a CDM, uh, Henderson box to box, and Tiago just controlling the play and playing a bit further forward. I think that's what will end up happening but the good thing is that they're just both Henderson and Tiago are very versatile. Tiago can play the six, he can play the eight, he can play the 10. He can just kind of do it all. Uh, Henderson also, I've seen Henderson play right mid if he has to. And yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, you made a face for oh, He's definitely not a good right mid. Yeah. I don't like it, but I've seen him get an assist against Man City at right mid, so I don't know. He just makes it happen.
3: He <laughs> the long ball, so like I could see yeah. it, but no, I'd definitely keep him in the center. But no, very fair point. They are both versatile. That that three in the middle, so you would take out Wijnaldum. and. Oh, yeah,
2: I think he takes Wijnaldum's position for sure. I love Wijnaldum, but Thiago's just a different level, as we saw.
0: No, yeah. No, another another phenomenal game that i was watching and, and they I, I just i just love seeing them back in the pro League. they're just they're just a fighting team the last two weeks they have scored so many goals it's been like close games i know this match was like you know the battle of the championship promotions it was like it was you know all hype costa's first goal was absolutely stunning the the it was it was a bullet that just went into the corner the Leeds are just, I don't know what it is. I'm excited to see how they play out throughout the season. I've, I really do have a big feeling they could really push if they keep this up. They just, their momentum has just from the championship. I've, I don't think I've ever seen a, a championship team start so strongly. Um, yeah, so,
2: we, we saw it last season. Sheffield yeah. was made Europe. Like, I feel like people are forgetting that because they didn't play the type of football that Leeds are playing, to be fair. But, like, we've definitely seen it before.
3: Yeah, but Leeds also, Leeds, so. They score a lot, but they concede a lot. And I think what we're going to realise is that when they start, you know, teams are going to pull them apart. Yeah. Um, like Tottenham, you know, when you get Bale in and you saw Son and Kane were insane, that the Leeds defence can't really handle them. A lot of people's attacks, even, you know, Everton's defence unless but their attack is, is really good and really working out. That I think Leeds need to sort out their defending because I don't think the outscore the other opponent technique will necessarily work for them this whole season.
2: Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see that. Like, even against uh, Liverpool in the first week, if Jack Harrison does have that amazing play and Trent doesn't mess up and Van Dijk doesn't mess up, then that's like a 4-0, 4-1 scoreline and suddenly we're not talking about them as this amazing team. Exactly. So... They do look really good, they do, and I still think they'll comfortably stay up, but I think they do have to sort out their defense. But I think it goes back to, that's just how Bielsa likes to play his teams, just high intensity, just very very similar to Liverpool but back when Klopp first started where we are just, let's try to outscore them because we have no defense. And it might work, it might not. We'll definitely have to see.
3: it would be interesting, though, to see if he ever changes his tactics for any teams. So, or if he's that going to be, yeah. for every single game that he has, because some teams like I see a Burnley, you know, I don't see them being broken down as easily. And so, will they be able? And yet they have, you know, Barnes is looking pretty good. And I think on the counter, Burnley, you are know, with area balls, because at the moment Leeds can see loads of set pieces with a rough team like Burnley. Will he change the tactics or not?
2: Yeah, that that'll definitely be interesting. But I I think he will. Um, if you guys have the chance, I would highly recommend watching the Leeds documentary on Amazon Prime. I've seen that. Yeah, it is so good. And I'm I'm waiting for season two to come out. But w- when you watch Bielsa and how hard he trains them and how hard he works, and he's just like so dedicated to football. Just some of like, um. Apparently, this is a true story because they said it during the uh, game. I heard that Bielsa had them mark a line from his house to the training ground, so that when they're driving, he can just focus on that. So he has more time to think about football or something along those lines. And it's just like he's just he changed the um, uh, each player's parking space because like just little things like he micromanages everything to try to get the best out of his players so we, when it comes to tactics i think he'll change
0: it for sure we also we also got to remember like, he doesn't speak english like <laughs> like <laughs> i remember I, I like he doesn't like like he's like barely speaks english i remember seeing like a like like when Leeds got promoted and seeing all the videos of the fans coming to his house like they were just like like trying to like speak to him and he's like, eh, I don't speak English, but I love the Like it was like, it's like, how how does he like manage a team in England, promote them? And then it's just phenomenal. I think it's another game that um I want to touch on. And you know, it just makes me smile every time I see it. I love, I love seeing United lose. I don't know what it is. Like, okay. I just, I think we all just hate like You just hate United. It's so great to see them lose a game. And look, I know I might have, um, you know, gave Zaha a bit of a stick. He did well this game. But, you know, I'm, I'm still going by my prediction. He's, uh, you know, he may score a couple of goals and then he's probably not going to score for like the next 10, 15 games. Look, he played very well this game. I want to hear what you guys thought.
2: Um, the reason we love watching United lose is because everyone had to watch them win for about 20 years. Yeah. So once you have to just watch Sir Alex Ferguson win title after title after title, it's nice to just watch them suffer for a bit. So that's definitely what it is. Um, I mean, I'm not that surprised. I said it when we were doing the predictions that I don't think they're going to get top four because I feel like they just got it because of penalties at the end of the day. Like, there's, they just had so many penalties. Like, there's no way that's going to repeat. And if you're only scoring goals through penalties, like, there's something – like, they just don't look that good in the attack. They need something different. They're not signing players, and it's just a mess. It, it feels like every single player they're in for just doesn't choose them. They were in for Thiago. He came to us. They're um, they always linked with Bale, ended up at Spurs. Uh, Regulion, who also went to Spurs, they were linked with. They got Van de Beek, but I feel like that's the position they least needed a player because they have – McTominay, they have Pogba, they have Fernandes now, they have uh, Fred. It's like, why another center mid when you need defenders and you need a winger mainly? Like, I just don't think it was the best decision. They can, of course, sign a player in the next month, but at this rate, I also don't think always a good manager at all. I have a good friend of mine who's a, a diehard Man U fan, and he just hates him. Like, he thinks always terrible – and I don't think he's that good either. Like, I don't know. I'm not that surprised about the loser.
3: He's brought, he <laughs> brought them and kind of made the young players play a lot better and with more confidence. And he brought quite a few of them through. So it's interesting that you aren't a big fan of
0: Oli. I'm not a fan of him. I, 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 I don't, I, 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 I'm also not a fan of him. I, I just think – I don't know what it is. I think we – I wouldn't say we underestimate underestimated. Like, winning the double is a tough – to do. We really, I'm going to say took advantage. We know how great Sir Alex Ferguson is. He is a class above class. The fact that he was able to do that for so long with the players that he had in his team, they weren't like the greatest players in the world. It was really was Ferguson's management that really put United on the map. You can see they haven't really, like look, Mourinho had you know, maybe one good season with them winning Park, etc. And, and trying the magic, but Ferguson was on another class. And, 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 like, I still, I also don't think... I don't think Ole is a good manager choice. I think they really need to get someone like Pochettino or something in that calibre to really get them back to where they need to be. Because I don't see this United team making a top four. I really don't. And I don't see, you know, they need to hide... Like, Hiring David Moyes was one of the biggest mistakes they ever made. Like, like as an Everton fan, he was phenomenal with us. He was, you know, he did amazing things. But that really was the downfall, and they really have not recovered since. Another, just one other thing I want to bring up before we, I guess, go to our hot fires uh, of the week. Um, you know, our incredible things that we have seen in the footballing world. I do want to. Uh, give a shout out to his Even though I hate his gut so much, uh, especially after what he did to Gomez last season, which was disgusting um, He scored four goals this week which is quite phenomenal um, I think one of the best four goal efforts I've ever seen was uh, Mark Duca scored four goals against uh, Liverpool, it was a phenomenal, the Australian, phenomenal feat I just wanted to know if you guys have any thoughts on his four goals and uh, what you guys thought Um, Shout out to Harry Kane though or course, yeah, but Harry no, let's Harry. not forget
2: that. And I feel like, not to take away from Sun, obviously, some of them are really good finishes. But Kane's passing was yes. on full display because I think people see Harry Kane as this just poacher and who just scores tap-ins or whatever, whatever. People forget how good Harry Kane actually is, especially because of his recent injuries. But when he's on top form, he stays fit. He's one of the best strikers in the world, and he can do it all. And he showed that with four assists, like, you don't see the Broin doing that. Like, that's rare. So what he did was definitely amazing. But, again, Son, I also don't like him a lot, Akiva. I think he's kind of annoying. But, um, <laughs> but is yeah. He, is, it, is, he it.
0: Your, is he a player that you just hate?
3: <laughs> you can't hate Son. You just can't hate him. Like, no, okay, I
2: have a reasoning behind it.
3: Right, give, give, give
2: me a reasoning. Okay, so I watched the recent Spurs documentary that just came oh, out.
3: I haven't seen that. I need to watch that.
2: If you watch that, you might begin to hate Son because he just whines a lot. And like his voice is really high-pitched and whiny. And it just bothers me so much that now I'm just like, I hate him. And also, I play a lot of FIFA, <laughs> and he's extremely good on FIFA. So there's, there's the mix of a, a lot of things that just make me not like Son. Well,
3: I was gonna say I don't, I don't know his voice, but as a player, he's just a class player. But I was oh, as a incredible.
2: Yeah, like, I was I'm gonna say
3: sick. the same to you. The connection between Kane and Son. Some of them were, I think it was the third goal for Son, where Kane literally just glanced and then it hit it yeah. almost like a round the corner pass, and it was just like the connection between the two of them. You, I think they, them two together have like scored. I think they may now have overtaken because it was De Bruyne and Sergio Aguero as in pairs who have scored and assisted and scored together linked up the most. They may have overtaken them or they're second to De Bruyne and and Aguero, but those two together are a real force to be reckoned with. And I think you add in Bale and I'm just a bit like if Tottenham sort out, it's another issue. They need to sort out the defence. If Tottenham sort out the defence... They're another team where I'm like, top four, for sure. And that's my... 100%. It's a few teams where I think um, they need to sort out their defence. And and defenders, you know, it seems to be the case, which never used to be, but it seems to be the case where a lot of teams are struggling with the defensive side. You've got Man U, Everton, Tottenham, Chelsea, maybe, because I don't know if they've managed to sort it out with Silver and Chilwell. But, you know, that's already top teams who are competing for it. And they're still... Struggling at the back, but I think going forward, and when Bale comes, Dali Alley, I don't know what he's going to do. I think he, he he honestly may have to leave. I don't see him getting many games, um, in that team, but I
0: think we'll take him. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We'll take him. He should come to us. We need we need we need a we need a good forward and a good goal scorer. And I think if Bale Alley well, wants to come have, to Merseyside, we'll take him.
3: No, I don't think he'd work with your team. I think at the moment. Um, I think Hammers is doing great and he works well. It, it's your three kind of forwards, um, Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison. Richarlison and Hammers are, are working insanely well together. And then Calvert-Lewin just stays within that six-yard area and kind of gets a poachers finish. And I think actually having a Deli Alley in there, it, it, it wouldn't actually help your team that much. I think you, wouldn't, you don't actually need someone like him.
0: Just a just a quick uh shout out before we go on to our hot fires. just a uh, rap with fire. Um, Arsenal West Ham, you know, classic Arsenal playing their classic style of football is a pretty boring game, I must admit. Um I, I, I just like was like eh. every time I see Arsenal win, I don't know what it is. I'm just like, meh. Like it's just nothing is this is something really about Arsenal, Arsenal that just like I wouldn't say hate, I want to say hate Arsenal. Just something about Arsenal when they play. It's just like and they win. It's just like It's kind of like Djokovic. I feel like Arsenal are like the Djokovic of tennis. It's just like Djokovic. Like no, he, no, he wins. But like whenever he wins, it's like oh, okay, cool. Like yeah, like whenever. And I feel like that's what we feel with Arsenal. Um, that's just my take. One more shout out. To, um, a big shout out actually to the Drunken Monkey for finally picking his team. Um, you know. We love that you're a Newcastle United supporter. I think we all endorse that. I think it's really cool that you didn't choose a big four club. Um, like I mentioned before with uh, Wilfred Zaha scoring a couple goals, do we think any of the lower teams might be able to crack up or was it too early to tell?
2: Definitely too early to tell. I mean, we've we've spoken about weeds. Everton have done well, but they're. I wouldn't consider them like a bottom half team. Um I would throw,
3: no, I would throw Brighton. I think Brighton have been okay yeah they lost to Chelsea but they dominated Chelsea honestly they were gutted not to win then you see them in the Newcastle game Brighton have, have honestly compared to last year they've started looking strong and that my hot fuzz person I'm just going to go and say it now but Lamptey is looking really
2: he's, he's, so good.
3: he's looking so good he's He's for such a small person, and I'm short, so I-, I hate having to say this. But for such a small person, he's so strong, so strong defensively, insane. But going forward, he was like their biggest threat. He's insanely fast, and honestly, I think Chelsea may be kicking themselves for getting rid of him. But I guess you know we have a few players, but at, at, you know Brighton have got it bang on in that wing back position. At the moment, I honestly think he's up there for one of the best best wing backs. There's only been two games but in both games he has really held his ground and looked really good and, and been one of the brighton you know one of brighton's stronger players but i think also brighton just come out really compact kind of got their shit together and are looking really good and i actually think they you know people uh, when i looked online a lot of people thought they'd get relegated mm-hmm. i think they'll i think they'll stay up comfortably kind of like a leeds if they keep yeah. this up yeah no one let- i
2: think wanna- that's really good for sure. Um, even last season, when people like, weren't really aware of him, I remember when he played against us. He gave us problems. When we were in that like, prime, Like people couldn't score against us. He was giving her defense issues. And he just from that, he's just kicked on. He's been doing really well. And it just kind of sucks that for England, he has some of the best fullbacks in the world in front of him. Oh, God. So it's hard, but he definitely should be getting at least looked at by Gareth Southgate.
3: I, I totally yeah. agree. And I think that you've got to remember is he's su- he's still really young. And, you know, he's got I, – I honestly think if he manages to keep this form, I think uh, he has a very, very bright future. And what you hear from what the manager says is he's, he's a pleasure to work with. Like nothing goes to his head. He's a hardworking guy. And I think um, – yeah, the England scenario—it really is rough because we've got we've got so many outstanding fullbacks. Not much in anywhere else. Kind of England needs a bit of help in other areas, but when it comes to fullbacks, we've we've got it covered. But he could also—you see him causing threats going forward. So it's he could also be a winner, you know, 100%. One
0: hundred percent. He's he's he really is a phenomenal player, and I think before Victor gives his hot fires, I just want to make like a, like a quick comment, like. You, Catherine you, you're putting the nail on the head like a lot of teams are struggling with fence and every transfer window before the size like you know last season when we saw you know the world's biggest transfer for a defender my question is like we keep paying the big money for all the forwards and it's it's kind of like the money ball um effect like we're pay every team pays money for forwards, but they keep forgetting about the defenders. They keep forgetting about the goalkeepers. Should we be paying big money for defenders? Like, why, why is it obviously the forwards get the goals? And, you know, that's important. But like you mentioned, teams are struggling in defence. Should defenders be, you know, transferred for the money that forwards are being transferred for?
3: Well, look, my, my opinion on this is, is probably slightly biased because I am a defender. But I've always said it like this. If you do not concede a goal... You can never lose, so I un- I understand why they pay, you know, the, the a lot of money for strikers. But I think more, yeah, maybe more more money should be going in the de- defenders' direction. But I think also just better training. I think teams kind of I don't know if if it's a manager thing where they you know a lot of the managers haven't figured out defensively because you don't always need to spend loads of money. You know, if you look at, I always pick on Burnley because they had the most clean sheets, I think, last year. But their defence always looked solid. Leicester, when they won the league, their defence was really, really solid. So it's, yeah, you can spend more money on it. And I think um, I've always wondered why defenders are just so much less than forwards. But I also think teams just also need to focus more on it. Like Pep does a great job getting Man City to play great football. But still, he spent, what, 200 millions so far in his defense and it's still atrocious so it could also be at this point managers are not able to really help the defenders and give them good advice so it really could come down because it's so many teams so it's are there good defenders out there or is it bad managers
2: I think I don't think it's the manager aspect because let's like let's use Mourinho as an example he's known for being an incredible defensive coach. So look at what he did with Chelsea, where they conceded that one season. They conceded, I think, 18 goals, I want to say, like whatever the record yeah, is. Yeah. That, is that is absolutely ridiculous. So he's just done that consistently throughout his whole career. Someone like Simeone, like they're managers that definitely know how to do that. But like Mourinho at Spurs, they concede goals. You're talking about their, def- uh, their defense, but a lot of it, like, I, I never really realized it, again, until I watched the documentary. But you see some of their goals. It really comes from individual errors. So that brings me to the point of I think they are starting to spend more money on defenders because of two things. The wing back position is becoming a lot more valued. Yeah. You look at players like Trent and Robertson at Liverpool who are just huge part of how we play. You look at players like Kimmich – Uh, Alphonso Davies with Bayern helping them win a treble like players like that so they're becoming such a big part of the attack and so I think that's a big reason and the second point is I think there's just such a small selection of good defenders like out and out defenders it is so hard to find that's why a lot of people were talking about like Liverpool paying all that money for Van Dijk Oh, he plays for Southampton but like you have to like, I watch Van Dyke play even next to, like, Matip or Gomez, and I'm just like, he's just a different level. Like, Gomez is good. Matip is good. But, like, Van Dyke is just a different level. You get the same thing when you watch um, Koulibaly. I think he's incredible. Sergio Ramos. PK back in his day. Puyol back when he used to play. And, like, it seems like more and more, like, we're, we don't get, like, a Maldini anymore. We don't get um, – Oh,
3: yeah, 100%. Or Terry – Terry Convaro. Like, yeah, uh, out and out about leaders. I agree with you. There, there's very few of them. But I think though Van Dijk didn't come into Liverpool that insanely good. Klopp helped him get there. Um, but I, yeah, no, you're, but then you look at the Italian game, right? So Italians are known for being really, really good defenders mm-hmm. and the managers kind of drill it into them. So that's what I'm saying. A lot of the clubs here that... And Mourinho is a good point. So the Spurs situation, they need to buy someone. But a lot of the clubs here they spent a decent night. Like Man bought uh, Maguire. I never thought Maguire was a good defender, but they bought him. He hasn't really amounted to much. So they, they've spent the money on someone they thought was a good centre. But they also, there's no real, I feel like there's not much coaching as well. Because I think Klopp, you see it with Liverpool. It took him like two years, but he also coached them to make them these outstanding players.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um,
3: I think you're right where there's, there's these figures, like a Terry and a company and all those they aren't there anymore. I see really it's Ramos and Van Dijk and I don't, and then Bonucci and Chiellini. But aside from those, I never see many other real strong centre-back leaders. But um, I also think it's just not, I don't know if it, you know, just looking at how Klopp did with the Liverpool back line, I, and you think Pep has spent way more and had as much time and, and hasn't had the same outcome.
0: 100%. Um, With the last five minutes that we have, uh, Victor, do you have a quick uh, hot fuzz before I uh, share my uh, quick hot fuzz take? Yeah.
2: So, um, I was going to just talk about how incredible Thiago is, but I kind of already did that. So, I I will give this time to talk about how incredible Fabinho did at center back. I think a lot of people were talking about how when they saw the team sheet and saw we had... our three center backs out, Matip was out, Gomez was out, and uh, one of the youngsters who were coming up through the ranks was out. And he was just incredible. I've seen him play center back twice. Once was against Robert Lewandowski. The second time was against Timo Werner. And we kept two clean sheets, and he basically just kept them in the back pocket, and it was just incredible. Werner had him one-on-one about two or three times that game, and he just read it perfectly. Yeah. And he, that's just not his position. He's a CDM. He's played right back earlier in his career. But center back just isn't his thing. And whenever he steps in there, he's just been absolutely incredible. So I, I wasn't mad of the match performance from him. He was incredible. And I actually wanted to ask Catherine real quick just to what she thinks about Keppa, Because I, I know a lot of Chelsea fans hate him. But just after seeing the way he basically cost you guys that game. Like yeah. there was one play that he came out to get the ball and Salah dribbled him. Oh like God. he just looked completely lost. The red card, if he had come off his line quicker or he had just stayed, there was no need to make that tackle. Yeah. The and obviously the, the second top. goal that money you don't even have to talk about it. He just passed the ball to Mane. Ke- so.
3: Kepper is Kepp's got no confidence, so I think it was it's part and part, I don't think Lampard should have been playing him because he's got his confidence is shot, but he's just a nightmare. And I think, um, yeah, you know, that Salah thing, he tried to have a foot race with, with Salah, who's one of the quickest players in the league. So um, that made no sense to me. And then, yeah, the pass was not same. But then you look at it, he doesn't make that error. We score the penalty, it would have been 1-1. But, you know, it's football. And I think, yeah, he, we've got a new goalie now, so he's not playing again
0: yeah I I, I I totally understand and it's like something like i'll i'll just go back to it. i remember when pickford just made so many errors like i guess especially in the in the derby game that kind of was oh, yeah, down so to and he, initially, he i mean initially we'll never let down my quick files before we end and it's something that i actually sent to Catherine this week and i think it's really phenomenal that it's happening is in australia on the optus network and i applaud Optus for their phenomenal work they have actually launched the first ever women's football show um, in Australia. It's actually the first show that's just dedicated uh, to women's in, in women's sport um, in Australia, and it's really phenomenal um, because there are so many, you know, players that have gone to play in the English Women's Soccer League. It's it's really phenomenal to see it, and I think we need to see more of it. And you know, obviously, I want to ask you, Catherine, as being someone who plays in this kind of like you know era of where women's football is really coming strong do we need to see more of this and 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 like why haven't we not seen it until now
3: i think 100 percent. i think uh, women's football is really getting up there and i think you know they're throwing more money in a lot more players are going pro and the standard has really gone up and i think um you know yeah it's obviously never going to be at the men's level not for a while but i think more people need to watch it and kind of realize like when a lot of people actually watched the world cup that happened um before and that got a low you know it really pushed up in the world but i think um you know women's football is really up and coming and if you if you watch the games they're not bad like the standard didn't used to be good but now it is so i think and also the fact that people from australia are moving into europe we've got the americans also coming into the english league you know have some really good german players into the english league so i think um you know, the English League at the moment, the WSL, is really interesting to watch. There's loads of goals, so I would recommend it to anyone. Just watch a game or two, and especially the Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea games. Really entertaining to
0: watch. No, nice. it's really phenomenal to see, and I, and I really do hope, you know, it grows. And especially by the World Cup, like 20, you know, I think it's 2023 when Australia hosted. And obviously, we will win the World Cup, and you know, clearly, you wear clearly, you wearing a Wallabies jersey is uh, agreeing with me in that support, or maybe you were just wearing the Wallabies jersey because of uh, the whole Chelsea incident with the rugby tackle. That could also be the reason. Huh. But, uh, guys, and and ladies, gents, and lady, I should say, it's been a phenomenal week of discussions and sport. Uh, everyone who's listening. Get on SportsMe, we'll be on there, we'll be discussing everything throughout the week. It's a phenomenal app, we love to hear your thoughts. Uh, we love to hear all of uh, Victor's family and friends that are watching, our six or seven viewers that are listening, and you know, all Catherine's viewers, our you know, two or three of those. But you know, we had four viewers last week, we want to try get more than that this week. So, uh, yeah, feel free to listen and uh, come and us on SportsMe. That is all for now and uh, we'll be back next week with another exciting episode.